Well, thank you, children. You guys did an incredible job all throughout this week, and it was fun to, to watch you guys. Um, you worship the Lord, and it's always entertaining, is it not? When you've got <laughs> the younger ones, you're never quite sure exactly what's going to happen. Um, all those uh, five and under may go to Children's Church at this time if they like, or parents, if you're not aware of that yet, you can certainly walk back there with them. Mr. Chris is in the back. Uh, for those who are five and under, uh, they can go to that Children's Church there. For those who watch or pay attention to some of the statistics going out and on the internet, one of the things that is happening is the report of a growing uh, percentage of people who are claiming uh, no affiliation with religion. Um, and so there's a big deal about this in that the self-proclaimed Christian percentage is dropping in America. The, those who are studying this are realizing, though, that it's not really something to be alarmed by because many self-professed Christians really don't know what it is to be Christian. They don't know the label or the, the definition of Christian, and so uh, we have lived in a society where if you go to church or you have parents who claim to be Christians, it seems to be synonymous in the past with American. I'm, I'm not Muslim, I'm American, I'm, I'm Christian. And so we, we have this somewhat ambiguous label that we're given. And I wonder what kind of labels do you give yourself? Uh, do you have a label for yourself uh, that you go by? We all have some label uh, that we have. It could be just as simple as husband, wife, mom, dad, or something like that. But there's some label, and it may be that you have a label that has some power inherent within that, some sense of authority that's there. And you may not realize it, but to have the name Christian is to actually have a name that has some authority in it, uh, some responsibility, some power within the name itself. Uh, And that's something I want to talk about this morning as we look in our text. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Acts. Uh, So Acts chapter 19 is where we're at this morning. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you to turn into uh, your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. As we've been studying how the Christian movement began with just a collection of people and just within a couple of decades took over the Roman Empire. Uh, and in fact that we have a church today uh, speaks to the power of God that was going against the powers that be who were not really interested in Jesus as a Messiah. Uh, or that uh, Jesus would claim to be God. Uh, And so uh, it's been a study of how that has moved and continues to move in our day in which our church is to be part of that movement. And I think that you can be part of a church, not really part of the movement, uh, when you're not living for the purpose that Jesus has said the church is to live for, to make disciples to the glory of God. And so our goal is that our church would be a part of the movement that has moved throughout history since Jesus' coming. And so uh, Paul finds himself in Ephesus. He is uh, starting the third missionary journey uh, and uh, was no 
uh, little city in Ephesus. This is a major city, a beautiful city, of which the ruins today are still amazing to look at. In fact, as uh, some of the ruins there are considered some of the seven men-made ancient wonders of the world uh, right there in this city uh, where Paul is at. And so uh, as we st- study this passage, we're going to go uh, and, and read really uh, for, through verse 20. And so let's stand as we read this together, recognition of this being something other than a normal book that God's writing uh, to us, recording for us. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he said to them, Do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some people, or when some became stubborn and continued to unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrrhenius. And this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary or extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirits leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this has become known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And you may be seated. So, it's amazing how many commentaries... Uh, and preachers have skipped over Acts 19 um, because it's just strange. It's unusual what they describe that's going on. And I would bring to your attention that sometimes you read the book of Acts and it's describing stuff, but it's not necessarily prescribing anything. In other words, we're not going to start a ministry and I'm going to ask everyone to collect their handkerchiefs and we're going to put holy water and pray over these and sell these things. All right? That happens. You've seen that on TV. But that's not what this text is prescribing. It's just describing an unusual movement of God that's happening in this place called Ephesus. And so what do all these things have in common? Uh, A baptism, uh, exorcism, uh, and a a burning of uh, satanic books. What do all these things have in common? 
Well, in each one of these passages, there is a tie, and it's simply this, the name of Christ. The name of Christ. And so what's the big deal? When we talk about the name of Christ, it's not just referring to the name and how it sounds. It's actually referring to authority, the title, uh, the power that's within the name are within Jesus Christ and his character. Uh, we understand this, uh, mom and dads, don't you? Uh, because your name gets used frequently and it gets associated with power. How many of you have had times uh, where you've done this yourself or you've had children do this? And if you have more than one children, you will hear this frequently. Where one child will say to the other child, uh-uh, mama told me. That you can't do that. Or, Daddy said you can't do that. Because they understand that as a sibling, they don't really have power within themselves. Even if they are the oldest child. Because what does the youngest child say? Y'all know this. There you go. (laughs) You're not my mama. You're not my daddy. You can't tell me what to do. All right. What, What do they inherently know? The power of a name right? You're, you're invoking a name that may be being misused, and that's what the Bible talks about. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. Don't misuse the power, the character of Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't work for a child to say to their sibling, daddy told me that you can give me that pie. Daddy told me you must give me that pie. Daddy told me that if you don't get this pie, you're going to have consequences. That's misusing the name, right? You're using the power of a parent for your own purposes. And so now that we have an understanding, we all use the authority of a name. Uh, And so what does it mean to talk about the authority of Jesus? I've talked with you before that we have the name Christian. Uh, That name was being used around back then, but not in Ephesus. They don't have that. They're using things like followers of the way, our disciple. And I think sometimes it helps us to use different names than Christian, because Christian has totally lost its meaning. When someone says, I'm a Christian, we don't know what that means anymore. And so here, Acts 19 is kind of giving us, all right, you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You want to bear the name Christian. You want to have the authority of God in your life. Then this is what it looks like. This is what it means to be a disciple. All right. So first of all, as we read, uh, Paul comes into Ephesus. Apollos has left, and Paulus had been corrected. He himself was teaching something a little bit different than that Jesus is the Savior. Uh, and so there seems to be others that Paul runs into that are following John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before Jesus, was a forerunner, pointed to the way to Jesus, preached the baptism of repentance. In other words, you, you understand you've got sin in your life. And if you don't do something with that sin, God's going to punish that sin. And so there must be repentance in your life. And that was what he was preaching. That's what these people were believing. Now, if you came across someone and they said, you know what? I think that you just, you got to acknowledge your sin. You got to go before God and you need to repent. You need to turn from that sin. Would we define that as a Christian? Would we define that as they are following Jesus? And I think most of us would say, that sounds right. Repentance, don't do bad things, do good things, acknowledge your sin before God. But what does Paul do? Paul says, you know what? I can't leave you like this. 
I've got to teach you about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to present this to you, that they are not yet a Christian. They are not yet a disciple of Jesus uh, until they know and trust in Jesus as their Savior and the Spirit of God comes in their life. For some reason, the Spirit of God does not enter into their life until they identify with Jesus. So the very first definition of what it means to, to be a disciple of Jesus is that you identify with the authority of Jesus Christ. All right. So these guys have been baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, and so Paul says, you know what? That's great, but it's not complete until you trust in Jesus. So I hear people all the time. I say, what does it mean to be right with God? And you know what the most common answer is? The most common answer is, well, I just try to do good. I try to do what I know that God wants me to do. And you know, I'm not perfect in that. I acknowledge that. But if I just do the best I can and do what God's told me to do, I'm just going to trust in God. That's John's baptism. That's where most, a lot of people in society are just thinking, let me just do good works. The problem, several problems with that, is that, One, there's never enough good works. I mean, really, can you ever get to the point where you impress God with your good works? I mean, I talk about that, and I say, it's like me going up to God and trying to show him my spiritual biceps. I say, God, aren't you impressed with how good I am? And it's like, what? We do that morally. We try to say, God, look, I've got my own code. I'm not a hypocrite, and let me just be good. See how good I am? God isn't saying, oh, wow. You see, there's a problem with thinking that it's just by repentance is that, one, we think that God can be impressed and that we've got the level to impress God. We have a very small view of God, right? And the second problem with that is, what about the mistakes we have made? What about the lying, hypocritical things we've done? What about the hateful things? What about the angerous, murderous thoughts we have had? What about the coveting, adulterous, lustful things that have been there Does God just say, well, you know, I'm just going to not pretend that that didn't happen. Do we want a judge doing that? We would not acknowledge or we would not allow a human judge to do that. Isn't God more just than that? There must be something that takes care of those sins. And so that's why John's baptism isn't enough. That's why us living just a good moral life is not enough to be a Christian. And I I tell this with our kids sometimes. It's like, you know what? I'm glad you want to be good, but good isn't good enough. Good will send you to hell. There must be the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ and the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. So first, to acknowledge the authority of Jesus. That's what baptism does. That's what uh, Maddie was doing back here. That's what Peyton was doing back here, is that when you get baptized, you notice I'm saying some things, and you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What am I doing? Is that some magic formula? No. We are acknowledging the authority of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit on this moment and on this action, and we're saying this person is identifying with the authority of Jesus in their life. Have you done that? Have you identified with the authority of Jesus? And so that's how they start. And so we've got these 12 people that do that. Notice what happens. Uh, The Holy Spirit, verse 6, comes on them. And so this is something, I think, a special, unique case where it happens through Paul. 
laying on of hands and somewhat of a Pentecost-type moment where the Holy Spirit first came and some of the same signs that happened at Pentecost happens right here to show to this new center of Christian work that Ephesus will become the power of God. Listen, the book of Romans tells us that if you do not have the Spirit of Christ in your life, you're not a son of God. You're not in his family. What do I mean by that? Well, you see, we're all born in sin, which means we're born with our backs turned to God. And the problem with that is we're born in the world that's centered on God. He made it. And so we are born with our backs turned against the only one that matters. How can God have fellowship with rebellious people in a world that he's made? So there is no Holy Spirit in us because we have turned our backs toward him. But when we say, you know, God, I realize that I've lived my life neglecting you and not centering my life on you, but centering on myself. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. God mercifully says, you know what? I was just waiting for you to hear that. All the sins of your life I now apply to Jesus Christ. His right standing that he has with me is given to you. Now we can fellowship. And a sign of that fellowship is his spirit, a Holy Spirit, a supernatural force that enters into our life, directing our heart, changing how we think, what we want to do with our life, changing our love, giving us a conviction of sin and what is right. This is what real evolution is. God creating us back to what he intended us to be. You see, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life isn't something that happens when you die. It happens when the Holy Spirit enters into your life. And so it is at this moment that, according to the Bible, these people say, okay, you can bear the title Christian if you want to. You can say that you're a disciple of Jesus when the Spirit of God is in your life. And so I'm wondering how many people are in church, but they don't have the Spirit of God in their life. You are living under delusion if you think something's going to happen when you die of you being right with God. There is not the Spirit of God in your life now. There's not going to be the Spirit of God in your life when you die. It begins before your heart stops beating. And it's building that fellowship with God. And so we'll keep reading this. And so there were about 12 12 men, and we see the ministry of Paul there living there about two years. Uh, Some people follow, some people resist. And then you have this interesting encounter. It's just a fascinating encounter beginning with verse 11. So first of all, we, we understand what, what's being a disciple of Jesus Christ. First, acknowledging, acknowledging the authority of Jesus in your life by baptism. All right? Second, remaining under the authority of Jesus Christ. Remaining under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Okay? What does it mean to be a disciple? Acknowledging the authority of Jesus Christ, remaining under the authority. And we see this demonstrated for us in verse 11 uh, with the sons of Sceva. I mean, it's just a fascinating, this was a spiritually dark place. Ephesus happened where they, they were worshiping the fertility God. Uh, and so there was uh, spiritual demon possession that takes place. A lot of us think exorcism, we think, you know, head spinning around and, and just, you know, crazy stuff. Uh, but you need to understand that there is such a thing of being under the influence of spiritual powers. Okay, it's really convert here because, you know, we don't want to seem uneducated, uh, talk about spiritual place. But some of us are going this week to Haiti. It is overt there. Demonic worship is very public. 
there as well as demon possession. Those of you who are going to Haiti, get a check right here. Are you under the authority of the Holy Spirit? Because let's see what happens right here. So, extraordinary things are happening. Itinerant Jewish exorcism, uh, exorcists are saying, you know what? This name of Jesus stuff, it's got a lot of kick to it. It's got a little power to this. You know what? Maybe we can start invoking the name for our benefit. What's their benefit? Their benefit, their benefit is their business, their money. So maybe we can use the authority of Jesus for our benefit. So are they remaining under the authority of Jesus? No. They're wanting to use the authority of Jesus for their personal benefit. Money. Business. Listen. When you think that by becoming right with Christ and being under the authority of Jesus Christ that it's going to make your family better, that you think that maybe your children will avoid the car accidents because you're under the authority of Christ, you know what we're doing? We're using the authority of Jesus Christ for our benefit. We're to remain under the authority of Jesus say, God, you direct, and I'm just going to trust in you and realize that that may take you and will take you down painful roads because there's no avoiding pain in this life. And we cannot use the name of Jesus as our good luck charm and leading us into prosperity and safety and comfort. So here these men are, and they are saying, how can we use the name of Jesus? And build up our business right here. So, and the problem is, is they're talking to evil spirits that have knowledge of truth. And including some knowledge about them personally. Uh, so you see verse 13, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So these seven sons were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And that's the word, Intimate knowledge, experiential knowledge, the word no. But Paul, I recognize. All right, so that's, he's, they've heard about Paul. They've had experience with Jesus. They've heard about Paul. But who are you? I'm going to tell you that's not good words. If you're sitting in front of someone that has a spirit and they're saying, what authority do you have to tell me what to do? I just kind of wonder, there must be some kind of communication network among demons. <laughs> How do they know these things? So, oh yeah, the de- I don't know, there's some kind of demon de- demonic hangout or something? You know what, like, man, have you heard about Paul? <laughs> What's going on there? Just something happens where they can recognize whether you are under the authority of Jesus. How does that happen? When you submit your life, your desires, your heart, and say, Jesus, they belong to you. And moments will come where there'll be a check, whether or not that's true or not. And you may cross the line, but you'll hear the Holy Spirit sensing a presence in your heart saying, this is wrong, you're holding it for yourself. And at that moment, do you surrender it back to Jesus? Are you under the authority of Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to be affiliated with Jesus just to keep your life comfortable enough? Are you saying, I want to be in church and get the benefits of hanging out with Christian folks because I like some other lifestyle, I like the stability, and I like the respect I get because I know a bunch of Bible stuff. But I don't want to surrender 
this area of my life. There will be a day when that is revealed. It will happen. When every heart will be exposed for what it is. Here these men were. They're thinking, oh, we'll just do it like we've done before. Had no idea that their hearts would be exposed because they were not under the authority of Jesus, using the authority of Jesus for their own benefit. So they were humiliated, destroyed socially. <laughs> I mean, look at this. So with that word, who are you? The man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them, these seven sons. One man <laughs> beats up seven men. <laughs> so in case there was any doubt who won this, <laughs> they fled out of the house naked. You don't win battles if you come out of it naked. You came in clothed, and you come out without clothing on, you officially lost that, all right? There's no, no decision there. <laughs> and then it's like, I love how it says, and they were wounded. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they were, weren't they? Wounded in several ways. Um, you know, that's not just a physical wounding. Spiritual, emotional, I, I mean, that's socially. And then, verse 17 and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled, was praised, was lifted up. Fame came to the character, the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, it's amazing to me that it didn't happen before. I mean, you've got hankies being sold, or not being sold, but being used to heal people. Uh, um, extraordinary signs of the Holy Spirit, the power of God happening. But that's not when the Scripture says that the name of Jesus Christ was extolled. It happened when there was those who were pretenders being exposed for what they were, and the spiritual powers uh, came and everyone saw the power of the spiritual darkness of, the, of Satan. It's funny how people will say, you know, I don't really believe in God, but then you go around, they, next thing you know, they're worshiping Satan. Literally. I'm like, how did you make that jump from not worshiping God and now you're worshiping Satan? Really? It's amazing how we will deny the spiritual good, but ready to accept spiritual evil. But they saw the power of spiritual evil and saw that Jesus was greater than spiritual evil. Listen, when spiritual evil makes its impact, listen, when nine people get killed in a church when they're praying and studying the word of God with this man and that happens and evil rises up, it is an opportunity, a platform for the gospel to go out and the power of Christ comes. You know when the power of Christ comes? It comes when these family members say to the to the one who killed them and said you know what god loves you and we forgive you and we pray for mercy that god will grant to you and the watching world says you know this is different these aren't the riots that we've seen before there is power that is happening here the authority of jesus gets lifted up when spiritual darkness comes in that's an amazing thing that we see and it happens right here. So don't fret when you see the powers of evil rise up in your day, rise up in your society. It is an opportunity 
to show that the power of Jesus is greater than these things. And that's what happens. And then, let's see. So we see the acknowledgement of the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. You acknowledge the authority of Jesus. And then you remain under the authority of Jesus. But then you get to this last bit in verse 19. Verse 18 and 19. This fear follows on everybody. The name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. and said, there is power in this name. There's something to this authority. And also many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practice. So, so who's coming here, verse 18? The church members are coming. The believers are coming. And they have evidently lived a little bit of a double life, just saying, yeah, we want to trust in Jesus Christ, but you know, it's not, it's not terrible bad to have these book of incantations because you never know when that might come in handy. You know, we might need to curse somebody. We might need to pray for prosperity and blessings. And so they've got their trinkets, they've got their books, and they've got their sources. But when they see the authority of, of Jesus established, they realize, I'm dabbling with things that are inferior. So that's what they do. They came confessing and divulging their practices. A number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all. They counted the value of them, found it, to come to be 50,000 pieces of silver. And that may not mean much to us, 50,000 pieces of silver, but that's about the equivalent of $5 million. This was a significant burning <laughs> that Ephesus would have seen from a distance. So what do you think Ephesus, the community of Ephesus, city of Ephesus is seeing? Oh man, they threw that book in there? I've been looking for that book. That's an expensive book. The burning? You see, to acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ is to remain under the authority of Jesus Christ and to depend solely, depend solely on the authority of Christ. Jesus has just made a huge trump card saying this is where the power's at and they had to make a decision. Do I depend solely on Jesus, or do I need Jesus and? And you fill in whatever. I think that sometimes our community doesn't really believe that we trust in the authority of Jesus wholly. Because they see us trusting in the same things they trust in. One of the things we, we make mention of is money. I'm just saying, money, materialism, is a prevalent God in Nightdale. It is. Much of people's lives are shaped by that pursuit and what they can gain with money. Sometimes what this community needs is someone who's so sold out for Jesus Christ. And that community sees that person sacrifice money in pursuit of Jesus Christ. Say, so, yeah, I've got this access. I've got this available to me. But my life is not shaped by that. My hope is not defined by what I can get. I'm not living to increase my lifestyle and make it better. I want my life to be spent for the kingdom of God. Perhaps Raleigh do not know 
that Jesus is God because they've never seen anybody worship Jesus as God. So to acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ means to remain under the authority of Jesus Christ and to ultimately depend solely on the authority of Jesus Christ. I would bring to your attention that no one told them to do this. It doesn't work for a church to say, okay, let's do a, let's do a, a burning. <laughs> let's burn those things that you depend on. Um, this is just something done out of their heart. This is a movement of the Holy Spirit in them, among them. Are you listening? Is there something that as I talk about the authority of Jesus Christ and remaining under the authority of Jesus Christ, that as I bring up this next point, that there needs to be a separation, there needs to be a burning to say, you know what, let's separate ourselves from this world. Is there something that comes to your mind that you know I've been trusting in? You know, we talk about what is worldly. You know, let's, let's not be worldly. And rare do you hear the definition of what worldly is. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, pretty well defined it for us. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of the life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, very much about how can I make my life comfortable, how can I raise my status in my life, uh, how can I get more influence? How can I get more power? That's worldly. To say I'm going to depend on the pride of my life. I'm going to depend on the things that are pleasing in my eyes. I'm going to depend on satisfying the cravings to make sure my life is comfortable. I'm going to depend on these things and not the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus simply said that for those who follow Jesus, they must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow after him. You see, One of the best things that can happen to our society is for a bunch of people to realize they are not Christians and don't go by the name Christian, don't pretend that you're a Christian until you have seriously seen the authority of Jesus Christ. And the fact of the matter that Acts 19 is bringing out to the Ephesus community is that Jesus is greater. Have you experienced that Jesus is greater? Do you realize that all the good things that have been happening in your life has been God drawing you? Drawing you to know how he's been watching you, looking for you, loving you. God didn't have to give you any one good thing. But if you look back in your life, you probably have a record of one thing after another. You just didn't know God was behind it. God's goodness is leading us to repent. Not to change our lifestyle to say, I'm going to stop doing bad and start doing good. But to draw you into a relationship with Jesus Christ where you say to Jesus, You get to cross my will, Jesus. You get to cross my will because I will trust your will. We can do that with physical trainers. You can do that with financial consultants. You can do that with your boss. You might do that with your spouse. Why don't we do it with God who made you, loved you, sent his son to pay for the penalty of your sins? I invite you to be a disciple of Jesus. Acknowledge his authority. Remain under his authority. Depend wholly on that authority. Bear the name of Christ. As we've seen two do this morning. Pray that they will continue. Let's pray.